Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. Good morning. I'm Rashad Salamat. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. And it's all about also, uh, you know, what that uh, jobs report is likely to do in the U.S. should provide us with just a, a, a snapshot of where the U.S. economy is, which is, of course, vital for setting monetary policy. Uh, getting that data in a little under 14 and a half hours. Bloomberg's Michael McKee has a preview. Barring a surprise, the payrolls report is forecast to show a continuing slowdown in hiring during August. While this week's JOLTS report showed the number of openings remains elevated, monthly jobs creation has been trending lower. Companies aren't laying off workers, but they are cutting back on hiring as they wait to see whether recession forecasts come true. Fed officials also want to see if unemployment starts to rise. So far, it's remained near historic lows, even given the rise in interest rates. And, of course, top of mind for everyone will be average hourly earnings. Thursday's incomes report suggested wage gains are finally cooling as demand for workers eases. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. We go to China next, where the government is cutting down payments for home buyers and reducing mortgage rates. The story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong in Hong Kong. The nationwide minimum down payment will be 20% for first-time buyers and 30% for second-time purchasers. The mortgage rate cuts will be negotiated between banks and customers. Both policies will go into effect on September 25th. This is China's latest attempt to curb the country's property crisis. The announcements came as data showed China's two-year property slump worsened this month. Sales by the country's 100 largest developers dropped 34% from a year earlier, according to the China Real Estate Information Corporation. That was the biggest drop in more than a year. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And indeed, staying with property and uh, developers, a group of country garden creditors are seeking to declare a default on a yuan bond. Let's get to uh, this from Bloomberg's Bonnie Ao, has more from Hong Kong. Investors have proposed the note be declared in default because of a recent downgrade. That's according to a filing to the Shanghai Stock Exchange's private disclosure platform. The investors say they effectively hold 10.5% of a yuan bond effectively due September 4th, but at least 50% support is needed for each proposal being folded. Holders of the yuan bond had until yesterday to fold on the proposal to call default. Moody's has downgraded Country Garden three notches as more pressure piles on the distressed developer. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Ao, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Meanwhile, developer China Evergrande said it couldn't make payments for investment products this month due to a liquidity crunch. Its restructuring process has been in limbo since it defaulted a couple of years ago. Well, U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is heading to India, but um, China is also very much on her mind. The story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. 
Yellen will go to New Delhi the second week in September, joining President Biden at the G20 summit. This is her fourth visit to India in less than a year. She'll be meeting her Indian counterparts and seeking to strengthen bilateral economic ties. The gathering will also offer another opportunity to engage with Chinese officials at a time of mounting concern over the potential ripple effect of China's economic slowdown and financial strains among the property developers. President Biden says he hopes China's President Xi Jinping shows up, but sources tell Bloomberg that Xi Jinping will not be attending. Among the other issues on the U.S. agenda for New Delhi, rallying support for Ukraine and for sanctions on Russia, and also bolstering the resources of multilateral development banks. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. We're hearing that Arm Holdings is preparing to set a price range for its U.S. IPO before embarking on an investor roadshow next week. The chip designer considering pricing its shares on the 13th of September, and it wants to begin trading the next day. The roadshow is uh, to promote the offering. It's expected to come after the Labor Day holiday, and we're told Arm is aiming to raise between 5 and $7 billion with this offering. And the valuation then could end up in the range of between 50 and $60 billion. Broadcom is one of the world's five largest semiconductor manufacturers. And today, the company gave a disappointing forecast for the current quarter, the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. It signals that demand for electronic components remains sluggish. Broadcom said revenue will be about $9.27 billion in the fiscal fourth quarter. That compares with an average Wall Street estimate of $9.28 billion, with some analysts predicting as much as $9.8 billion. The outlook shows that Broadcom is mired in a broad spending slowdown, even as the artificial intelligence boom fuels demand in pockets of the industry. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. So the employment report for August due tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. We told you about that a moment ago. Word today that U.S. small businesses reported fewer unfilled positions in the month of August. This is data from the National Federation of Independent Business. It shows unfilled positions are now at their lowest level since February 2021. And the NFIB also reported fewer small business owners raising worker compensation. Well, at the same time today, job cuts, that's the survey from Challenger Gray in Christmas. Overall cuts totaled more than 75,000 in the month of August. Obviously a number amplified by the bankruptcy of Yellow Corporation. That August employment data due tomorrow and today a survey from 22V Research finds 60% of investors are expecting a softer than estimated number on job growth. Let's get to global news next. Former President Donald Trump pleads not guilty in Georgia. Dan Schwartzman is here. Danny? Doug, get your popcorn ready because this is going to be something to behold. Trump has waived his right to an in-person arraignment, sparing him from having to appear in court on September 6th, and that would have been broadcast live. Trump pled not guilty to state charges. He conspired to overturn the 2020 presidential election results. Excuse me. The 77-year-old is one of 19 defendants indicted by Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis of participating in a, quote, criminal enterprise to keep Trump as president. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reports that the Fulton County judge has said that Trump court proceedings will in fact be televised. China and the U.S. acknowledging that military officials from the two countries met earlier this month at a defense chiefs conference in Fiji. Admiral John Aquilino, the head of the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command and General Xu Xiling, the deputy joint chief of staff 
of the People's Liberation Army held a meeting for what's believed to be the first time since August of 2022. China had suspended military ties with the U.S. after then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. Relations were then even more strained after the U.S. shot down an alleged Chinese spy balloon that flew over the country. That was back in February. Former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in a sit-down with Bloomberg's Francine Lacroix in Venice, Italy, says, despite differences, we do have to work with China. We don't have shared values, but we have a shared uh, planet, and we have to work with the Chinese to, to um, save the planet, because they're now, I think, the biggest emitter, if not us, they're second, and, um, and they're part of the solution in all this. You can see that full interview on Leaders with LaCroix airing at 9.30 p.m. New York time on September 27th in the States, then at 6.30 p.m. London time the next day. President Biden says he'll visit Hurricane Adalia ravaged Florida on Saturday. The Category 3 storm flooded towns across the state, leaving hundreds of thousands without power. Biden has been criticized for a seemingly slow response to the wildfire in Maui earlier this month. Biden says he has spoken with Governor Ron DeSantis three times today to assure him that the federal government would continue to provide all necessary resources to help state the state recover. In Florida, DeSantis gives an update on power outages across the state. As of 6 a.m. today, there are approximately 146,000 power outages reported across the state, uh, but power is being restored quickly. Uh, thus far, 420,000 accounts that lost power during the storm have been restored. Biden will be in Florida Saturday to tour areas hit hard by Hurricane Adalia. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Dan Schwartzman. This is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash FutureInvestor slash radio. Let's get to our guest. Liz Ann Saunders is with us. She is managing director, also the chief investment strategist at Charles Schwab. And Liz Ann is in Boston, Massachusetts. Liz Ann, thanks for being with us. I'm curious to get your take right out of the gate on how you see the economy in the States right now and, and where the Fed is in all of that mix. Sure. And, and thanks for having me. I, we've had the the view that this has been a rolling recession or a series of of rolling recessions at the sectoral level meaning segments of the economy for more than a year and a half right now and i i think that's the best way to think about this very unique cycle where we've had recessions in areas like housing housing related a lot of consumer oriented goods manufacturing we just had the later offsetting strength on the services side and in turn, the labor market. And I think from the the Fed's perspective, part of the reason why they're focusing on inflation metrics at a more granular level, like core services X housing, is they wanna get to the heart of where inflation has been most sticky and that's where it accelerated uh, later. So I, I think that the simplicity around recession versus no recession and in turn what the Fed's reaction function misses the nuances that make this cycle unlike any other. 
So uh, tell me here as well then, you know, when you look uh, here at what happened, uh, Liz, with the, uh, Liz, with the uh, PCE number, what did you make of it? It was pretty much uh, in line, but again, it's not gone up. It it is it was in line and it's it, it, PCE is often in line because although the weights are different the components of PCE you have already via CPI and PPI so economists don't tend to be all that far off at least on the main headline and core numbers where there was a bit of an upside surprise today was in that core services X housing. And interestingly, the biggest component of that outsized jump up was portfolio management fees. And that has been driven by the the stronger performance by the stock market. So that can obviously ebb and flow. But given that, that Powell has stressed the desire to go to 2%, that two months trend doesn't make a longer term trend, um, uh, they're not there yet on inflation, and it's part of the reason why there's so much focus on tomorrow's jobs report. Today's action in the market was very churn-like, and I think that reflects the uncertainty with regard uh, to tomorrow. So you were talking earlier about the notion of a rolling recession. Maybe we have seen a few, one possibly in manufacturing, another that was in the housing market, at least temporarily. But one of the things that's really surprising is how well the consumer is holding up. I was struck by the consumer spending uh, number today, a gain in July of six-tenths of 1%. Haven't seen that since the beginning of the year. Where is the American consumer right now, in your view? So they've been in relatively healthy position, given what had been some of the excess associated with the stimulus. Admittedly, though, that has really wound itself down. And given what you're seeing in terms of increased credit card usage and now delinquencies starting to kick in, it wouldn't surprise me to start to see a bit of a uh, a faltering. When you saw the personal income and spending numbers today, the spending side was significantly higher than the income side, hence the now lower savings rate. I think what has been most closely tied to the resilience of the consumer has been less about wages, less about confidence, but more about the labor market. And I think if we start to see more than just the cracks we've begun to see in the labor market, that probably puts uh, a quicker dent in uh, the consumption side of the economy, especially with student loan forgiveness starting to uh, to wane here. So and in addition, a lot of the consumption data, retail sales, is expressed in nominal terms, not in real terms. And so I think important in this environment is to look at what's happening in terms of unit sales as opposed to dollar sales in nominal terms, which in many cases is sort of looks high because inflation and prices have been high. Now, listen, when you then look at all of the what you've just talked about here, you know, then you look at what's going on in the bond market and it's bifurcated in the sense that we've got hedge funds uh, still shorting uh, treasuries in large part and asset managers offer obvious reasons locking in that yield and buying. What side of the uh, equation would you be on? Well, you know, it's often said that the bond market in, tends to have a more rational perspective. I, I think maybe one of the ways to think about why the bond market and the equity market maybe aren't sending the same message is I think the bond market tends to live in the, and I'd, if, if we were on camera, I'd have air quotes around the word real, the real world, meaning, you know, X inflation. But I think the equity market tends to live 
in the nominal world. And I think that's where there's a bit of a disconnect because the nominal data still looks fairly decent. It's the real data that is a bit more uh, questionable. And and we haven't seen it yet in terms of a blowout in credit spreads, but I, I think at some point the equity market is going to heed the message from the bond market. So very quickly, 20 seconds or so, would you be expecting a significant uh, move lower in stocks between now, let's say, and the end of the year? Uh, <laughs> yes and no. Um, you know, I don't try to forecast short-term moves in the, in, in the market. I, I think we're right now in a bad news is good news for the equity market. That doesn't last in perpetuity. In perpetuity. I think we, if the news continues to be bad, at some point, that has a negative impact on equities. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa. Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Rashad Salamat. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, The promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.